What's the most genius 4D chess strategic move you've seen someone execute at work or in life? In my youth, I posted at a bustling Dragon Ball Z message board. One year on April Fools, I was messaged by a particularly popular poster that he would like help pranking the board. A particularly tasteless joke, he was going to have his girlfriend post that he was involved in a car accident. To help sell the lie, he wanted me to play devastated and to attack anyone who dared imply such a thing could be a prank, as I would be the only one who knew the truth. But here's the rub. He told everyone, about 80 people, that the accident was fake and that each of us was the only person in on it. And he told each person to react in a particular way, designed to put them in conflict with the other people he had told to act in a particular way. I was told to be devastated. Someone else was told to call bullcrap. Someone else else was told that they were glad he's hurt. Someone else was told to say they were donating money for his recovery, etc. He just sat back and watched the board eat itself. It was pretty funny. We spread the word that we were all going to skip the last half of the day by leaving out the doors at the disused extreme ends of the school that they usually had difficulty monitoring. One of the NHS officers had a brother who was a fireman, whose chief was a bit of a safety and regulation stickler. Sure enough, we get to school that day, and the doors at the extreme ends of the building are chained shut. NHS guy calls his brother at lunch. This was prior to cell phones, so you had to wait to use a payphone, and reports a fire hazard. Locked fire exit doors. Result. Fire chief himself shows up and orders the high school evacuated, while he does a top-to-bottom inspection of the whole building. Adding insult to injury, a huge bunch of seniors took off during the evacuation. One of my co-workers at a previous job hated our boss. Guy was a suck-up to higher management, made our lives a living hell by not communicating actual requirements, etc. until it was too late, then bad-mouthed design to upper management and the customer. My co-worker did some digging and found an old copy of the guy's resume online, polished it up, and contacted a few recruiters. Boss got headhunted out of the company. We got a new boss who wasn't a gigantic butt, and everyone was happy. I don't know if I would personally consider it a smart move, but my boss had been having heart problems for a while. He was a quadruple bypass. He basically knew it was only a matter of time till his next heart attack. He told me he was going to make damn sure it happened on company property when it came. Sure enough, a couple of weeks ago, he punched in at 6am, he normally comes in around 9.30 to 10, and less than 20 minutes later, he was in an ambulance. Haven't seen him since, but my buddy at HR says he's listed for workers' comp. Worked as a low-level shift manager of a truck stop restaurant for a couple of years. My higher-ups used to do monthly inspections for FMs and quarterly inspections from VPs to see if the facility was up to company standards. I used to have everything spotless prior to a visit, except for something benign yet obvious thing, left dirty. Like the top of the buffet was a little dusty, which was easy to tell with dark stained wood, or left ice build up in the freezer. I did this so upper management would be distracted by the small oversight I had made, and would be less inclined to look harder for something to reprimand me on. It was a crappy corporation and were required to find something that I had to improve on every inspection. Not personally witnessed, but I'm in awe of this guy. Software dev busted for outsourcing his own job to China. Eventually, it was discovered the employee had outsourced his own job to a Chinese consulting firm, paying about 50,000 US dollars to the firm out of his own salary for several hundred thousand dollars. In his blog, Mr. Valentine describes the employee as being in his mid-40s with a relatively long tenure with the company, family man, inoffensive and quiet, someone you wouldn't look at twice in an elevator, ABC News reports. In the blog, 
Mr. Valentine wrote that according to the man's web browsing history, a typical workday went something like this. 9am. Arrive and surf Reddit for a couple of hours. Watch cat videos. 11.30am. Take lunch. 1pm. eBay time. 2ish p.m. Facebook updates. LinkedIn. 4.30pm. End of day update email to management. 5pm. Go home. My grandfather pulled this move in the 1960s. Not sure it's possible or even legal anymore, but it was back when business owners had personal relationships with their bankers. Gramps had commercial properties where he rented out office space to businesses. One of his tenants was failing and about to close shop and owed him a bunch of rent to the tune of thousands of dollars. They cut him a check for the rent owed, but asked him to wait a week to deposit slash cash it. Gramps knew the company wouldn't be around in a week and he'd never see his money if he waited. He took the check to the bank, they both used the same bank, and tried to cash it. Sure enough, they didn't have enough to cover the check, and the teller told him she couldn't cash it because of insufficient funds. Gramps asked how much they were short, and the teller told him about $200. So Gramps took $200 out of his own wallet and had her deposit it into their account, then cashed his check for the thousands they owed him. The next day, the owners called him furious and in disbelief that he got his check cashed, and cleaned them out at the same time. Instead of lasting another week, they were out of business that day. But Gramps got his money. Well, when you sense you're about to be screwed, grab that screwdriver and go on the offensive, I guess. Maybe not totally genius, but close. I had a colleague who worked at a very large company who was on a temporary promotion to quite a senior position. It was a position that he knew a number of other people in the company were interested in applying for, many of whom were far more qualified than him. The day eventually came when the management decided to fill the post permanently and to start the process by looking for recruits from within the company. He now faced the very real possibility that the well-paid job he'd been doing for about a year might be taken from him and handed to someone from another department. To get the recruitment process underway, the local management asked him to write the ad for the job, which would then appear in the internal job vacancies listings on the company intranet. My colleague saw his opportunity and he seized it with both hands. Firstly, he changed the job title in a way that could be justified, but made the vacancy unrecognizable to anyone skimming through the listings who was specifically looking for it. Secondly, he started the ad by focusing on some of the more obscure aspects of the job, making it sound almost like an entirely different kind of role. He only got to the core parts of the job, that people might recognize, after about three paragraphs. It worked brilliantly. No one else applied for the job because it was impossible to identify it from a quick read of the title and opening paragraphs. My colleague was duly appointed to it after a successful interview. I should explain that what made this such a neat trick was that the ad was for a specialist job in a company that had quite a few specialists in that field, but was mostly full of generalists. My colleague changed the title to something that sounded very generalist and also wrote the first three paragraphs in a generalist way, only switching to the specialist information in paragraph four. Why I think it worked so well was because the generalists who might have been drawn to the job by its title and opening paragraphs then gave up when they realized it required specialist skills that they lacked. Meanwhile, the specialists saw only the generalist title and immediately moved on to the next ad, not realizing that it could well have been the perfect job for them. I have been around a lot of manipulation and politicking at various workplaces. I can't stand it, so I don't delve into it. So suffice to say, probably the most genius stuff was happening around me, and I failed to notice it. However, something I was particularly proud of was, when compiling reports, spreadsheets, ad copy, etc., I always typed my name in the lower right-hand corner, but set the color to white. No one sees it, it doesn't print, 
But when someone, cough, cough, manager, cough, sends off your files as his own work to the higher-ups, along goes your signature. It came up in a discussion once where they were debating his data with my own. He had apparently sent alternative ideas in an attempt to discredit my contributions and belittle my capabilities. In a one-on-one meeting, I had them highlight the bottom right corner of all the documents he had sent under his name. They all had my name in the corner. I was working for them two months later. New guy in a fancy suit shows up in the office and the company president says, he's a consultant working for me, give him whatever he needs. Guy works with us for months, going out to lunch with us all the time, we're all getting on great. Then one day we're in the company meeting, when the president invites him up to the front of the room because he's my new boss, the VP of something or other. This guy steps out from the middle of our group like it's the big reveal of a TV show. He was undercover for the past couple of months. He asked the president to not announce his title during that time so he could investigate our department from the inside without us knowing. I'll add that while undercover, he worked in a cubicle over in the accounting department. Then, after the reveal, he moved into the executive suite. I was chosen as the representative of my senior class in a Scrabble tournament. I was against this junior girl who was the best player in the whole school. Now, I'm not exactly a pathetic player, but this girl was miles ahead in terms of Scrabble skills. It was a best-out-of-three type of game, and I have already won the first round simply due to sheer luck. Halfway through the second game, however, I figured that I won't be able to win the round as my score isn't half of hers. So in order to invalidate the round, I purposely placed a wrong word in the board. I was graduating salutatorian for the whole senior class, so she really didn't think I'll get a word wrong, and let the whole game finish. Obviously, she won by a large margin. Lo and behold, one of the teachers came to check the game's progress, and he noted the non-existent word. As per the rules of the game, and the girl's insistence that she can't accept the win given the situation, we redid the whole second round. The next second-second round ended up in a tie, and by technicality, I actually won the whole tournament. This was probably the first strategic, albeit very manipulative, thing I've done in my life. A German hacker once hacked the source code for Half-Life 2, a video game developed by Valve Corporation, before it released, and Valve was in total panic mode. Gabe Newell, the owner of Valve, however, had a brilliant plan. He messaged the hacker's anonymous profile and told him that he was really impressed by his software genius and wanted to hire him for a new project. Gaben even sent flight tickets to Seattle to him and got a resume for him. Unfortunately for the hacker, Gabe passed his resume on to the FBI and checkmate. Imagine thinking you were the Mike Ross of this situation, only to end up in the logical conclusion for the events you had set in motion. A friend of mine started dating a girl when he was 19, and she was 18. They met at work, and over time, a romance developed. They were crazy about each other, but there was one problem. She was very religious, and he was an atheist. One afternoon, a group of us were hanging out, and someone asked her if it was hard between them with the religious stuff. She told them sometimes it is, but she wasn't worried. She said, In five years, we will be married, have a kid, and he will be going to church with me twice a week. Everyone laughed, especially because they had only been dating a couple of months at the time. Well, she wasn't completely on target. It took her seven years, and they were married, had a kid, and he had become hyper-religious. I had a friend who essentially engineered his marriage to a very wealthy girl. Her parents are worth tens of millions. He is an extremely intelligent person, and in my personal opinion, a total sociopath. A lot of people don't see it, especially at first, but he's extremely manipulative and is always roundaboutly getting people to do things for him. Anyway, he was a struggling artist and knows that this girl is loaded, so he just targeted her and eventually married her. 
I knew him pretty well at the time, and it was clear that he didn't really give much of a crap about her. He then convinced her to move to Manhattan, away from her family, so he could pursue his art career there. They moved into a huge apartment on the 20th floor of a high-rise, with an amazing balcony view. I always thought it was kind of effed up because his wife is very overweight, and I think that he used that as leverage in getting what he wanted. I don't know if it exactly fits the question, but it was kind of genius, if totally evil. Don't know the exact details, but I read a story once about a guy who bought a full fare first class ticket on an airline. He would go to the airport, hang out in the lounge to get free food and drink, then go down to the desk and reschedule his flight to the next day. Since it was top tier first class rate, the airline rescheduled with no fee. Kept doing this for something like a year until the airline caught on and told him they wouldn't reschedule anymore. At this point, he went to the desk and got his 100% refund for the ticket, since that was also airline policy. Crafty, manipulative little tykes, let me tell you. One kid absolutely had to sit in the front of the classroom. The reason for this is that he essentially controlled the other kids by giving them looks. If he was in the front, you at least had a tell because he turned around for a second or two, gave a look, and some kid chucked his maths book across the classroom. Also, after having a few classes with these kids, one kid stayed in the classroom during the break and I asked her what was wrong. Apparently two boys in the class were mean to her and calling her names, so I told her I'd tell the original teacher and or the principal. I was only a sub after all and had no place disciplining children. As I talked to one of the teachers about it, I found out that the problem isn't the boys, it's two other girls in the class. See, these two girls would tell the boy to go bully this girl and be mean to her, not because they didn't like the girl, but because they wanted the boys to get told off and disciplined for whatever reason. The bullied girl was just a tool in their eyes. If I ever need a general to confuse and misdirect my enemies in conflict, I'd recruit a nine-year-old girl. I was a general manager at a small vape shop for a while. I asked the owner for a significant raise about a week before he was leaving the country on vacation. I would be solely in charge of the shop while he was gone. I dropped a hint to a sort of friend of his that I would be gone before he got back if I didn't get the raise. I got the raise. Depending on the size of this vendor's business, this seems a little exploitative. Maybe the owner looked for a new GM when he returned. I was playing Cluedo with a girl I was trying to impress and her friends. One of the guys in the friends group was her old crush. During one of my turns, I realized that this guy, highly intelligent mother flipper, is close to the guessing room. During my turn, I decide to ask next person for the cards that I had on my hand. Of course, no one had them, which would suggest that the place, weapon, and murderer are in the bag and are the solution to the game. He took the bait went to the middle room and guessed all of the cards I had in my hand, effectively costing him the game. He was really surprised and couldn't fathom how that had happened. And this is when I looked him dead in the eye and said, unless I had all the cards I had asked for. I know it's petty, but it was enough to impress the girl at the time, and I still recall it fondly. This actually happened to me, and I don't know the actual truth of it, so this is an assumption. I was in a disciplinary hearing at a call center when I was about 20 years old for basically slagging off my manager. She was a member. To my colleague over chat, I said I would rather resign than get sacked. After the meeting, she went to CHR and asked if I would still prefer to resign. I resigned. In hindsight, 14 years later, I don't think I was getting sacked and she bluffed me into resigning, which is fantastic gamesmanship, and even though she was a complete and utter jerk, I respect that. My girlfriend lives in Australia, and I live in the US. We don't spend much time together because of the distance, obviously, and because of the time difference and our schedules, we get limited, but fairly consistent, amount of time we can spend together online, which is where we normally spend Skyping while playing games. 
Last summer, she was coming to spend about five weeks with me in the US, and we were both insanely excited. About a week before, my family was getting together for an early dinner, which wasn't very common as we all live on our own. My father picked me up to take me to the restaurant, and I walked in the door and saw her sitting with my mum and sister. I was absolutely speechless and couldn't even make a coherent thought. She had planned it out with my mum months in advance, and I had no idea. She sent me pictures and only messaged me at certain times so that I wouldn't catch on while she was taking the 30-hour trip over here. I cannot explain the happiness I felt and the shock I was in. In about four months, I'm moving to Australia to live with her, and I've never been happier in my entire life. Someone I know claims to have purposely left a pen cap leaning against a cash register drawer so that the next time their rival co-worker opened the drawer, it would fall into the rail, obstructing it from closing. Leaving a register open is a big deal in retail, and apparently this had a domino effect, leading to my acquaintance to be named manager-slash-head cashier. If I recall correctly, the cashier was on a last-chance kind of thing and was one of two who could work weekends. So once they were fired, the other person who currently occupied the manager-slash-head cashier job was the other person who could work weekends, making the weekday job available, and by seniority and comparative responsibility, my acquaintance was promoted. Can't verify this actually happened, but the planning was impressive for such a low-stakes job. So I was studying this course in university, which had half of the course in practical assignments. We had to do 10 pracs throughout the semester, and the lecturer decided that the final grade you'd receive would be an average of the 10 submissions. Seemed fair. They had issues with the submission system, and so, trying to be fair, he added a rule where if you submitted late, the grade would be removed from the average. So all I did was submit the first prac on time, got full marks, submitted the rest late, and received an average grade of 100%. About five years ago, me and my friends went to Disneyland. One of my friends was a huge fan of the ride Big Thunder Mountain, but the line was like 150 minutes long. I issued five fast passes for all of us, and when the staff in the fast pass lane told us to show our passes, I told her I lost three of them. She checked the remaining two and let us go. Later, after we confirmed a different person was in charge, I showed the staff the three passes I was hiding. Basically, we cheated the system and rode the ride twice in the fast pass lane. So petty, yet so satisfying. I was forced to be acting manager for a company I was liking less and less. I had all the responsibility, but not the pay, and I was having to help interview actual managers. I hired someone from a company down the street, then applied there and got his job. That job was the perfect blend of a thing I was good at, well paid for, liked doing, and filled a need. Incidentally, it was my brother playing 2D chess against strangers online when we were little kids. He had an electric chessboard named Igor, and Igor was a mother flipper. We could never beat him unless he was on the lowest setting, and we played a lot of chess as kids. Anyway, my little brother set Igor to the highest level of difficulty and started a game online. The opponent made a move, and my brother would make the same move against Igor. Igor would respond, and he'd copy Igor's move in the online game. He never lost a game with this method. This guy is my hero. I remember the story from ages ago. A man gets a credit card contract through the post. Usual stuff, sign the contract and send it back, get the credit card. He changes the contract terms and conditions to like 0% APR, no limit, no late payment fees, etc. Basically, free money for life. The company doesn't check the contract, countersigns, and sends him the credit card. He maxes it out, the company stops the card, he sues the company, and wins. 